Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, back again, Ben Bateman. Guys, I'm so happy to be back talking magic with you. I was so sad to miss a week. I was like Cal Ripken Jr. I hadn't missed a week in, well, not nearly as long as him, but... It was a lot of weeks that I didn't yeah. miss a week. And like, I missed like my first seven. One. No. Like Twelve. It was like 30. 30. Like 30, 30 weeks. weeks wow. That is one. impressive. Yeah. I wanted to tell you because I know I know you guys talked about some stuff that I was interested in. So, uh, yeah, do you have, what, I mean, I guess going back, generally we try to avoid stuff like this, but what were your favorite picks from uh, from the set? What are your favorite origins? origin cards? Uh, I mean, it's for, all, for all different reasons. The 2-2 the, the for 4 that makes 2-1-1 flyers in blue that you can tap two artifacts to make a creature unblockable. Thopter or something. Right, right. And for Illimited is just a house. That card's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Um, that card's really, really cool. I am a big fan of Merfolk of the Tides or Harbinger of the Tides. Yeah, that was my, that was my number one pick. Yeah. And it would have been the Professors, I think, but he like thought he was high rating it too high because he's yeah. obsessed with Merfolk in general. So he wanted to like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I love chocolate, so it can't be that good because I just like it more than other people. That card's powerful. I mean, there was a few other like sort of interesting ones that I that I found to be really cool. Um, you know, I definitely like the mini seismic assault. That card's cool. Right. Um, I one of the cards that I think is interesting for modern that we'll see if it gets play is the one blue one colorless instant counter target spell that targets you and if you have a spell mastery uh copy it okay um it's that was on either of our lists so it was in an honorable mention i think it's a bad card in the traditional sense in the sense that like swerve is a bad card uh what's one red one blue instant change the target of target right. spell a single target the reason it's cool is because in modern um there are like a number like countering like a like a thought seize or something like that um is ridiculous and it could be a blowout yeah, to be able to like to be able to like turn that around. What's on it them? do when you don't have spell mastery? Just counters it. Oh, okay. Oh, then, it has to target you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it there has to target. The exactly. Oh, okay. Um, if you're two or more instant sorcery cards, you may copy the spell counter this way. You may choose. The you're gonna go back with just play Leyline of Sanctity, and then we'll be all good. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean certainly, like it, it's it's not it's not to say that like the, the spell is is uh, necessarily gonna be bad it's just like when you think about some of the cards that get played in modern like for instance like colagon's command getting like when it makes you discard a card and they don't read that you have it because it's like a sideboard card getting to like counter and redirect a colagon's command seems like it's a lot of value it's a yeah. lot of value granted i guess swerve is basically the same thing it's counter it and redirect it but um without spell mastery this is played in just blue and still counters yeah okay. so it's interesting mm -hmm. yeah it might just be bad mm -hmm. <laughs> all right uh so this week um, we're going to be talking about healthy habits and magic. So we actually got a few requests on email, uh, for this subject matter specifically. And I know you're really good at this. Sure. Um, so I figured breaking down this kind of thing, leading up to, you know, what you should be eating before tournaments, exercise in general, good testing habits, and like kind of how to keep your body in good condition so that you play magic at the optimal capabilities. Yes. Uh, so this is like this is kind of an interesting um, one of those ones that should apply to life as well as magic because I think uh, almost all activities where you're using your body to do something yeah. you want to be healthy about it yeah like body and brain so I, I think we can just kind of jump right into it um, a big thank you the last couple of weeks actually just before we do jump into this um, we've had we've had some guests from other podcasts uh, yeah. We we had uh, Focus Spikes Brainstorm Brewery and Tolerian Community and Tolerian Community I mean there are 
I don't know if he has a podcast. He's for sure a YouTube channel. That's like his the big thing. That yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just some people from Magic Community that have been kind of hanging out and coming on the cast, which is really cool. And it's nice that uh, we're, we're on your radar as much as you're on ours uh, as we continue to grow in this community. So uh, big, big, exciting stuff coming in the future for us. And, and shout out to you guys. Shout out to all the guys also listening. I mean, it was kind of cool. I went to Comic-Con and there's a chance me and Jimmy recorded on the drive back from Comic-Con a like an entire drive back from Comic-Con episode. We don't know where it's going to go or what it exactly, but we definitely talk about this. But basically, I got to interact with a bunch of fans. There were people, some of them probably listening right now, that like were super excited to meet me. Like One guy recognized me because of my laugh. Huh. I gave his kid a signed uh, Fatal Ben Bateman token really? and a signed uh, um, Jason? Jason Alex Kessler germ token. So... Yeah, it was awesome. That's I, fantastic. It was like I made a kid's a different kid squee because I gave him like a Gideon Funko doll because he was just like super excited to play Magic. I was like wow. here, and he like like he didn't even know how to react. He was like ah! and then like ran at That's like a thousand miles per hour to his dad. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it's been pretty overwhelming the last couple months. Actually, something something happened on Twitter with us at some point where maybe we just asked you guys to interact enough times that you started to. And so like what, right now I'm going to be like, hey, you guys should stop listening and go tweet at us and then come back. And yeah. then you're going to go do that hopefully. And that's, I think, hopefully getting us to interact with people. I, like I've, I've had some experiences at the, at the PPTQs recently also where I've talked to some people and I have the Masters of Modern Playmat out and I'm using the pen and everything. And they... There are, are pens, by the way. Yeah. And people say like, oh, like that's, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm on this podcast. It's like my podcast with Alex. And, and, and they're like... Yeah, I listen to the podcast. I just want to, didn't want to say anything. It's like, <laughs> it's like really cool. Like that's that's a huge thing for me. I've I've said this often. I do a lot of media work in sports, entertainment, and magic. And in a lot of ways, this is the most rewarding for me because it's the thing I feel the most connected to. Yeah. No. I mean, so on that note, follow us on Twitter. We're at the MMCast. I'm at Keswally. He's at Ben Bateman. Also, go rate us on iTunes. Ben Bateman it's... Media. Thank oh, you sorry. Very much. At Ben Bateman Media on Periscope, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, and anything else. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, there's not a new Hilo, isn't there? Like a weird exclusive. There might be. Yeah, but okay. now we're just now we're we digress. Now we're digressing. Let's, All right, let's, so let's get into healthy habits. Good healthy habits for playing Magic. So first, I kind of want to start with why is it important to be healthy before a tournament? Okay, so what I want to talk about is so this is like sort of just general um, mental health stuff that goes along with performing well at a Magic tournament. And this, there's been a lot of articles written about this sort of thing. Like this is not new information. Um, I'm coming at this from a point of view of like. I, I trained people for about a year and a half. I worked as a personal trainer, and I was going for my ACE certification, so I had all my nutrition studies and all this kind of stuff. Not to mention, there's a lot of research done in stuff like NASCAR or uh, Master Chess tournaments or even, like, talk show or game shows or yeah, other yeah. things where, you know, correct eating and exercise habits leading up to those things because your mind is as much of a muscle, I think, <laughs> if seventh grade <laughs> biology <least>. holds, <laughs> holds, holds firm in my brain. Uh, so it, it needs to be worked out. It needs to have good stuff inside of it to make it work at its highest efficiency. And right, absolutely. And so uh, you're you're completely right. So the first thing to look at is what's going to happen the night before a tournament. Um, generally speaking, a group of guys, like as we've done plenty of times, will get together at someone's place on a Friday. You guys are jamming, testing games. You're getting four, five, six hours of games in. Uh, these tend to kind of go a little later than I think they should. Because Magic's a super sweet game, and you want to just get as many right. games as possible. Those last three testing games that you play between the hours of 11 and 1 o'clock in the morning are going to do worse to you because you're not going to sleep as well than they're going to help from you learning that matchup a little bit better. You need to sort of plan ahead. So it's like, if you know that you and your buddies who always do that get together on a Friday, and you're the one who's trying to keep this health-conscious stuff in mind because you want to be rested for the next day, 
suggest to these guys, hey, guys, heads up. I'm going to try to get out by 11 o'clock tonight because I want to get to bed before 12 because I really would like to get my eight hours for the tournament tomorrow. I, I, I'm trying this new thing out. Um, Point your buddies at us. We'll, we'll, we have some words <laughs> for them at the MMCast. We'll argue all day about how yeah. any problems, if they give you some, some trouble. So that's number one. The second thing about the previous day of a tournament, and, and this is going to be the same thing that will happen if you're trying to like you know run a marathon. Right. You want to try to drink as much water, like a solid gallon of water, the day before the tournament as you possibly can to flush out that sodium. Sodium is going to tire you out. So if you're somebody like most of us in Western culture that eats a lot of stuff with a lot of salt in it. And Eastern culture, it's soy sauce. Yeah, I mean, there's just a huge amount of it. If you do too much, you don't drink enough water, you immediately get tired. And it's very, very difficult to reverse the process like on a dime. It's much, much better to start flushing your system the day before. So on the Friday before a tournament, try to drink as much water as possible. Get to sleep before, say, 1130 so you can get that seven to eight hours. Because the day of the tournament, and this is a big one. This is one that probably a lot of Magic players are not as familiar with. But this is something I started to do at the, at the, the bigger tournaments I played recently. I try to make sure I'm getting in 30 minutes of physical activity before the day of a tournament. And that's not 30 for everyone necessarily. Right. I, I, I do want to bring up that I think you do this number based off of your personal athletic capabilities. Because I, I, I have read studies that even five minutes right. of walking – like, just walk around your house five times and just, like, be a little – don't, like, mosey, like, be a little high-paced, but get that blood moving and sweat a little so that you can, you know, go shower, get ready, and be fresh and get the blood moving in your body. Uh, morning of, like, as you said, basically, if you can do something to sweat a little bit, to sweat some of that sodium out, it'll just help your brain wake up. Like, I feel – I genuinely feel like a refreshed person in the morning after that happens. Even if I go – if I jog for five minutes – like, right, and, so, and you don't want to push yourself no, you don't too want to hard yourself, because, and that's what I'm saying is, and I'm not trying to. I I agree with you. Is just more, don't be like, okay, I've never exercised in the last month. I'm gonna run 30 miles. No, of course not. The morning of, because then you're just gonna be exhausted all day. But like, just like the basic amount, whatever your normal b base activity, push yourself a little bit more than that, so you have like just effort put into your body and your body gets into that fight mode or flight mode, depending on a great example of this actually would be if, if you guys are staying somewhere and there's a grand prix, uh, and you, you're staying, say 10 minutes walking distance from the tournament, as opposed to driving and paying for parking, walk 10 minutes, right? The, the walk itself will help. Like, so that's, that's like a great thing to pay attention to. That I think a lot of people miss and don't pay attention to. So the next thing to get into is the diet part of this. And the diet part's really interesting because magic tournaments are not set up for success here. Like, they in no way in their in their geography in the menu that's available in the snack cart at best <laughs> the, the culture that surrounds it and I mean, the I sort think, of I feel lucky when I'm at a GP and we have terrible convention hall food restaurants available there right like that's that's a bonus and that's like at best deep fried chicken and three day old French fries right it's like definitely rough and and you it's you're eating the equivalent of just fast food for the most part. You know, and some sometimes you're faced Worse. with yeah. a gas station and like some cafeteria level lunch. So what I try to do with these things is eat small meals kind of all throughout the day. Like there's a there's a great brand out there called Quest Nutrition that they like. So the thing is, protein bars obviously they're everywhere. They're basically candy bars at this point. Right. Um, Though the, some are not the best choices, I would imagine. That's what I'm gonna say. So the thing to pay attention to, the easiest indicator on these is when you look at one of these protein bars. Look at the back of it. Look at the number of grams of sugar. That's the only thing you have to pay attention to. Because if you're using this for the sake of sustenance and you're just trying to use it as like a meal replacement so you can stay energy level high but not eating something fried that's going to like kind of tire you out, 
if it has 25 grams of sugar, 30 grams, you're basically eating a Snickers bar. You're going to crash. Right. And, and there's been many studies done that it's better for a person to eat like the three meal a day plan is not the most proficient way of eating food in a day. No. Like they've said, like it's better to eat like snacks slowly throughout the day and eat smaller meals all day. Yeah. So if you're at a tournament, one be one of the best options. Just like because the food's going to be bad anyways. This is a lose lose situation. At least this way you can pace yourself and you're not going to get to like your third round of the game and be in a control match. It's going to take your whole lunchtime period and you're just going to go to your next round starving. This at least kind of keeps your food eating paced and also makes it so you don't get tired because you don't like overeat a giant foot long Subway sandwich because right, right. you're like, I have three seconds to eat this whole thing before my next round. Totally. And and I mean, again, this is not to say that if you're at a tournament and like you don't have an option, like you didn't bring a protein bar, you didn't bring a bag of almonds, like you didn't bring something that has like a lower glycemic index, you're screwed. It's more like given the options available to you, if the options are like pizza and fried chicken or like a deli sandwich, like you're probably better off eating the deli sandwich because it's not going to be as heavy or high in fat and won't tire you out as much. But like, if you're used to eating all three of those options, just in your week to week diet, you, you know, might not preference the one. So I generally don't preference things over pizza, right? Pizza's delicious. I eat pizza constantly. It's the best food. Just yeah. As food goes, it's so I, good. I'm going to claim that right here. I'm going to say pizza's better than Spellscape. Uh, I'm going to say you're wrong. Whoa. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, I mean, generally speaking, these tournaments, there's like very little options for breakfast. So the most important thing to remember is if you're going to have a bigger meal, try to make it the breakfast. The heartier thing you eat, like don't go for high, uh, like high in sugar or like super white flour, like pancakes, stuff like that the day of. Well, yeah, that's, so yeah, I guess I did research cause apparently I do research for this podcast on this specific subject. And the main thing I saw everywhere was trying to avoid carbs for breakfast. If you're going to try doing some big thing that day, if it be at a convention hall, being it drive a NASCAR, be it, you know, get on, do something important. And that's because your body takes a longer time and has to work at digesting carbs in general. Like bread is harder for your body to eat. So you'll become tired versus actually gaining energy from that. I want to clarify here um, for a second, because there's a big misnomer in our culture regarding carbs. Um, carbs as like a general is sort of, if you generalize carbs, yeah. If you generalize carbs, it's kind of like generalizing calories. It's kind of like, uh, the best example I can give is like, I eat a lot of brown rice. I eat a lot of like oats in my diet, right? That's like quinoa, stuff like that. That's super high in carbs, super, super high in calories. Eating like white bread, uh, or like a wheat or like a, or like a flour tortilla is going to be much, much more damaging to you or pasta, you know? Right. That's much more damaging because it's not complex. So your body breaking it down, it, it takes, takes a lot of effort. Yeah, the wrong kind of effort. Um, and that's, that's the stuff you want to avoid. So pancakes, for instance, are a terrible option. If you can go, if you, there's like some, this is like a totally unrealistic, but if there happened to be like some cafe that was like, you can get this breakfast bowl and it's like a bowl of brown rice with like some eggs on it and some like veggies and a well, bunch no, of chicken and like here's some avocado. Like that's great. Like big right. ass bowl of rice. But I mean rice. like even on a, a more feasible level, a lot of Starbucks now and coffee bean if you're in the Southern California region offer a like yogurt and oatmeal and that's fine. Like it, it's going to be a little sugary maybe yeah, for yeah, what yeah. you're trying to do, but it's going to be better than going to Denny's breakfast cereal or yeah. – 
or like the star, like the gas station marble cake that I generally eat every time before a tournament. Yeah, yeah, it's just tough. I mean, you gotta just remember, like, you want things that'll keep you full and you won't crash from. That's the that's the basis of it. And like, you know, the, the interesting thing here, and I'll throw like just a piece of. You walk through a grocery store, you see a million magazines about fad diets and weight loss. This is like our culture is obsessed with it. It's like right. All any friggin' magazine talks. Well, about and this it. is not what we're talking. We're not talking about like how to become healthier. This the point is is the point of going to a magic tournament from yeah. at least our perspective yeah. is to win, and you need to take any advantage you get from that. And you know, if you're waking up at eight o'clock in the morning, you're not waking up at eight o'clock clock in the morning to be comfortable. You're doing it because you want to get to this tournament. And right. sometimes, yes, you're gonna have to eat. If, if this gives you an advantage, which it does, you should be taking advantage of that advantage. Exactly. I mean, what I was going to say is with those magazines all talk about the secrets to all this stuff, the secrets to being healthy, they're the same secrets that, that, that apply to everything. They're, they apply to doing better at magic, to being sharper mentally, and it's three things you got to avoid. Super, super simple. You want to avoid processed sugar as much as you can. You want to avoid things that are super, 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 super high in simple carbohydrates. That's going to be what we're talking about. White bread white pasta complex carbohydrates you want complex carbohydrates you want complex ones. complex carbohydrates are the ones that won't tie you out is that because they're like they're slower and easier to get into they're the slower digesting okay uh like that's like that's gonna be like brown rice versus white rice for instance got it uh so your body is using energy to digest it but it's not going to use the energy it's going to tie you out um sure uh so yeah basically things that are high in sugar essentially white flour so just like carby things that will make you hungry again faster uh and then super super high in fat dairy products so if you were to eat i don't know i mean pizza is a great example it's just right. a huge amount of melted cheese if you avoid those three things you will feel sharper mentally guaranteed because the line between being hungry and full is essentially where you want your brain to exist the whole day that's that's the sharpest place you can be right in any kind of performance well look at it this way this is evolutionarily speaking. We evolved where we needed the most energy when we were hungry. We like were able to get like some fruits and veggies on the way to hunt this giant mammoth that we we're going after. Yeah. But like that's when we need to be the most alert. But as soon as we hit the mammoth, nap time. We we did it. We have food for a year. <laughs> I mean, the, the paleo diet is the one that like they talk about in the CrossFit all the time, and that's like essentially what what it is. It's just everything that could come from the earth. So rice. Right? Protein. Right. Nuts and meat and things like that. They're like cheese is processed, bread is processed, processed sugar. That stuff will slow your brain down. CrossFit's all about speed. They want you to be as fast as possible. Same thing with magic. You want to be as fast mentally as possible. So you stay away from the processed stuff, you will be sharper. You will perform better. That's, and you'll win more tournaments. And when you're done and the tournament's over, you can go to Tony Roma's and you can get a full rack. Right. So before we get to the end of the tournament, <laughs> uh, I do want to get into um, drinking. Uh, like no, no water, water. <laughs> uh, you know, like we you talked about a little bit before, but being hydrated is one of the most important things the day before, but also during the tournament. Yeah. I know a lot of the times I get like just my nasal cavity becomes dry, oh, like yeah, my whole body worst. just feels like the world has absorbed all liquid from it, and yeah. I'm in the desert. Uh, and like one of the reasons because I'm not drinking enough water. I'm not drinking, you know, even like and people think Powerade is kind of an, something to do beyond that. Yeah, the only re times. Based off of the vague research I did that yeah, I mentioned yeah. earlier, that Powerade's good is when you're actually physically doing activities. Yeah. And magic isn't that kind of an activity. So water's probably – and maybe teas, yeah. water teas and coffees are maybe better for you than 
the Gatorades and sodas and heavy sugar-based liquids that people generally bring to these things. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to get too preachy in terms of diet here, but I mean, it's like the difference between natural sugar and processed sugar is pretty is pretty vast. You'll do a lot of damage to yourself mentally by eating a lot of processed sugar on the day where you're supposed to be sharper mentally, whereas like fruit, which has natural sugar, is going to be fine. But like high fructose corn syrup, you'll find like soda and things like that will do a lot more damage. Um, is definitely it's the number one most missed thing at a tournament. Uh, I try as hard as I can at every tournament to drink as much water as I can. It doesn't matter. I'm always dehydrated at the end of the day. Well, this is another thing drained. to be prepared ahead of time. Like, almost every tournament I've ever been to, they don't have water. They have, like, small solo cups and a terrible water fountain. Or Dasani bottles that are, like, three seventy five, yeah. And, you like, you could drink one around and still be dehydrated. Right. I mean, it's tough. Like, it's the kind of thing, if you can bring, like, a gigantic, like, if you can bring, like, a gallon of water with you, like one of those huge things that like those guys from the gym use, those like huge ones that the people can make fun of, bring it. It's okay. Right. I'm Plus people <laughs> will love you because you're like, oh, you need some water? I don't know where this is going. So we're going to go to the news. <laughs> so two things happened today while we're recording this. The first one is the band restricted list was announced. Nothing happened. Uh, especially for people on Twitter thought something in modern was going to happen. A, the format's really diverse right now. So hopefully it doesn't. And B, we talked about this already. Wizards like saving modern bands and unbands for right before Pro Tour. A modern pro tour because they want to like hold all their guns to make it as different as possible for that event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, the, the deck, the deck that it seemed like was getting the most discussion was Amulet Bloom. Um, that was the one that like people have them have the most suspicion that a card will be banned from. I, I did a lot of time thinking about this last night actually. If you were going to try to target that deck in the way that you were going to target like eggs, like when you took out Second right. Sunrise, which is like the functional card in the deck that isn't used in anything else. And there was a lot of conversation when that happened. What card would you target? I remember Conjurer's Bobble was an idea people had. I think Summer Bloom is the one I've heard. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Because you still can play Azusa, so it doesn't murder the deck. It just, just just slows it down to turn three when you can get a Titan, and that means that you're back in the turn four kill you range. Yeah, I think, and I think that's pretty fair. Um, you know, because the other one would be Amulet, because it's like doesn't get. But used then that just it. murders the deck. Yeah. Eternally, and that I don't. I think they like what that deck does. Uh, the the funny things I've seen is like so Paulo uh, Vito Dama de Rosa P. said it right. Did he you really? I think I did. Yeah, definitely did. Definitely said it right. Uh, he was posting on Twitter today. He's like, these are the things he wants. Man, he wants Gory Vengeance out of the format. He wants um, all of eighth and ninth edition banned, and he wants. Oh, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like eighth or ninth. Yeah. Um, and I think one other one, and it was kind of just like. Oof, why? I don't know what's wrong with the format right now. I, I understand why maybe unbanning cards and maybe getting rid of something to make it a little bit slower from some of these super fast decks. But once people started che stopped cheating with the Amulet Bloom deck, it stopped being an unfair turn zero deck. Well, once they stopped getting caught for cheating. But yeah, I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows what's really happening? But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree. Uh, and, and actually, you know, speaking of, of cheating, uh, there was actually some new, new news this morning as well about the infraction policy. Yeah, this is way more of a big deal. And it's not necessarily cheating. It, it, it is something that there is just a huge blowback if you ever accidentally somehow drew an extra card. And there are a few ways this can happen. Sometimes cards are sticky. Sometimes... Did Chap Chapin got... Or did he play an extra land? What was no. It? So what happened to Chapin, and this is the big one, this is what kind of put it for, on camera in the th in the show, and this is the other reason that uh, the camera policy was changed, so that judges now can use cameras Instant to make replay, calls, right? is he put his cards on the table, he... Um, and then he he triggered the Ajani Plus, which lets you reveal the top card, and if it's a creature, you draw it, and he just put it straight in his hand. Yeah, that's right. He looked at it and just put it in his hand. Didn't reveal it. And there was this whole issue. And, you know, one of the reasons there is, like, that's not that – that wasn't an honest mistake. We literally could see on camera which card it was. He hadn't touched his hand. Did he, he put get it a on game top. loss for that? 
I don't rem- I think he did get a game loss, but I cannot be confirmed yeah, on that. Yeah. The other thing is he had a courser of crucifix in play. So not only oh, yeah, is he was the like, card the information's all available. Like everything was available at some point during this game. So and it was on camera, so that was a whole issue. So all this came down to is like a game loss became a little bit too high of an infraction for right. this type of event because there are a lot of ways to accidentally do this. Is this going to be a good thing? The way it works, the new thing is if there is – you get a warning and you reveal your hand to your opponent and they choose the card from your hand to be shuffled back into your deck. Gotcha. Um, is that too many information? They've talked about how, like, they didn't want in-game stuff to be part of the rules infractions and how right, they worked. Right. And that's why there's never been a real way to deal with drawing an extra card because now you get extra information from their hand and they, like, you know, not necessarily the card that – they drew that's extra is the one taken from them. So right. say, like, I accidentally draw a land, but I have Elsbeth, the only card that can beat you in my hand, and then you you catch me, and I'm like, and then you take the Elsbeth. You're not yeah, gonna yeah. Take, and so then that puts you in a position where you're now behind based off of a mistake. But, I mean, before that, the verification was you lose. Right. So it can't be that much worse. Yeah, I mean, you so you get Thoughtsies. That's, that's the deal, but it's a Thoughtsies that reshuffles. If you draw the extra card, you reveal their hand, and you lose the... I mean, that's what's happening. Right. It's a, it, it's a weird... It's like a weird change. Um, it is hard to imagine in this game that we play so much that we love so much when they make these changes. Like, the new Scry Policy they're trying out at the Pro Tour um, is another one where you're sort of like... It's so weird to imagine Magic this way. It's like... Major. Here's the deal. The major decisions they're making is because Wizard of the Coast realized in the last six months that their public streaming face is one of the most important things they have. Right. And part of that is the reason the Pro Tour is, exists. Literally all of, if not almost, if almost all of, if not all of, the marketing budget from Hasbro for Wizard of the Coast goes to making the Pro Tour happen. Right. Like, that's where the money comes from. And so you get this situation where... This is the most important re- – like, the point of this is for get people, when they're watching, to want to play more. Right. And when you have your finals end on a game loss or you end because of a stupid draw trigger that couldn't be reacted to because right. even though the judges had camera footage proving them wrong, like, right. proving what needed to happen. Or you have, you know, games end turn three in a super exciting finals where both other games are neck and neck and a guy gets, like, one land and mulligans down the five and just, like – Gets hosed. Gets hosed. Is like, that's not good for the game. No, These are flaws that Magic has had. And even the basic lands on in front versus in back thing is all yeah. just like Wizards realizing what we show on camera right now is the most important way we get new players. Or one of the most important. And it's correct. And it's it's smart on their part. I mean, um, yes. Yeah, so, so, Does okay. this take the skill away? No. Does it make it a little easier to cheat? Possibly. But I think the ramification of... Y- I might draw an extra card, and if I get caught, you get a free Thoughtseize. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I just I think that when you look at like the various rules that they're looking at implementing, it, it is to improve the quality of the game and the streaming quality. And and in the case of this new Mulligan, this proposed Mulligan rule, they're going to be using it at the Pro Tour, which if you guys talked about, it, I'm not sure, but uh, it's basically that if you Mulligan to six, you have the option to scry uh, after initial Mulligans are resolved. You have the ability to scry um, your top card away if you want to. Yeah, scry it. Um, at, at six or five or four before it, before turn start you both get to do it at the same time yeah only if you've taken a mulligan yeah. if you stay at seven Correct. you stay at seven but so what's great about that is like the number of times where in a high density format a, 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 a format of high density like modern where the card power is very high and you sort of like say you decided about something like stony silence in and you mulligan to six now you draw your stony silence and you get one land 
and you're like, well, I have to keep this because I don't want to go to five, and I have my cyborg card, but it's a one lander. The fact that you'll be able to scry to see if you're going to hit that second land and give yourself that one extra turn is so impactful. Right. It, I mean, like, I played with this game. I played with this rule a few times this weekend at Comic Con. Yeah. And you know, it was in either EDH games or uh, we drafted with a few of the Wizards guys at the uh, convention hall, and you know, one playing with it, it just felt so much better. It, it like. It didn't make that big of a difference, but it definitely made the whole mulliganing experience way smoother. It made it feel less stressful. And if anything, when I then went to play in the Magic Origins pre-release on Saturday, it felt like it was weird not being able to do it. It felt less like it felt like I was more at a disadvantage for no reason. It like the before the game before was more that I just made sure my games were fun more consistently. Yeah, it sounds like taking a mulligan to six becomes much less of like a ah crap and much more of like a. Well, at least I get a mo- at least right. I get a and, scry. And what's interesting is the difference between six and five is the same as it was before. It's just the difference between seven and six is way less bad. Yeah. And it it that five is less bad than it was before, right. but it's just the difference between the six and the five and the five and the four is the same. Sure, sure. Um so uh, moving on, I do want to get into letters. We're you know, we got we've been getting emails. You guys have been emailing us. Our email is at the the mmcast at rocketjump.com. Excellent. Uh, and we got an email from Borish Fishman. Uh, Dear Alex and Ben, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and I love not only the modern format, but your discussions on the format as well. I know Alex is a fan of Blue White Red Control, and I know Ben is an avid brewer as well, so I figured you guys might have an interest in a brew I've been working on until now. The goal of the deck is to stall through the early game with removal, path, bolt, and exile, uh, uh, lightning helix, and then use gifts ungiven to set up a kill with any of the bomb spells in the deck. Against aggressive decks, the traditional Unburial Rights Elish pile is what I go for. Against other decks, the piles may change depending on what I have in hand and the states of the board. Having Noxious Revival in hand with Gifts is very powerful because it allows you to get Terminus or uh, Entreat the Angels to kind of finish your opponent. I would love to hear your thoughts on my take of Gifts Ungiven or even just the feasibility of Gifts decks in general in the format. Thank you. Thanks for your time, Boris. Well, Boris... As a special gift to you, since you were one of the first people to send us a deck list, we are actually going to do our deck deck today on your Blue White Red, Blue White Red Miracles deck. Excellent. Uh, I was kind of one of the things that caught my eye on this deck is that uh, the miracles were being played in modern. I've always thought that they were kind of undervalued in this format, and yeah. part of it is because there's not a lot of ways to put cards on top. Oh, there is one card though. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, looking at this list, there's a lot of really cool things about it that I really like. Um, some things that are really interesting, it definitely looks like you're testing a lot of cards out. It, the list, for those people that are not looking at it directly like we are right now, we're going to post this on the RocketJump.com website. Yep. Uh, if you go to this episode, which you're listening to, so maybe you're already there at the Rocket Jump website, you can look at the list. It, it's on Tapped Out. We'll make sure to link to it. Um, the first thing that jumps to mind is I think you need a Loot House. That's the uh, the land, the, the blue-red spell land uh, yeah, that lets you uh, draw a card and discard a card for a, a colorless, a blue, and a red. This, A, lets you get your you know your miracles on their turn sometimes, but more importantly, gets lets you get rid of them if you get them stuck in your hand. Or lets you get rid of stuff like Elishnorn and or um, the Unbarrel Rights package that you can't cast in the main deck. Because there's no black. I mean, so one, one of the Sacred Foundries or something, or one of the Hallowed Founds could become a... a I don't yeah, know, very, like a, yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things I also want to say, like, you could probably get away with a man land. Yeah, it's fine. For two. I, it's, it's a pretty cool deck. I mean, it makes use of some pretty interesting cards. The most uh, notable to me that jumps out is Three Noxious Revival, and that players extremely well with the six miracles that you're playing. Right, so so those who don't know what Noxious Revival is, it's uh, one green Phyrexia mana, and you can put target... 
uh, card from a graveyard on top of that player's library. Oh, Alex, that's so interesting. It's a Phyrexian mana card that uh, can be played for any color in any deck. Is that good? Weird. No, no. They're no. always good, guys. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not even going to be surprised when, like, what the hell is the white one? Like, Aura Shards? No, it's not Aura Shards. But no, it's, it's like... the, it does, that one's cost of mana. No, I think uh, that one even is, like, one colorless white protection from a color. I don't even, I think it's, like, the, the white one I want to say is, like, Oh, the do one damage to all creatures that opponent controls. Maybe it is or shards or, or, or wing shards or it's it's whatever There's it is. Shards. There's some shards going around. It's shards something. Of a no. It's it's a white card that does damage to an opponent's creatures, and then you also have the green one that's the hurricane. But like they're well, what I was gonna say is all of the free ones have each been at one point a format defining card other than this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and Noxious Rival is just an interesting card. Like it it allows you when you think about a you know decks with with very very high density. And I said this about sideboarding already, but like when you, when you think about decks that have very high, high impact, powerful cards, the ability to like play your Huntmaster, get your flip, and then they kill it, and then you're just like Noxious Survival, I draw it again and play it again. It like card, it's like well, so... and that's in a deck that like I wouldn't even argue that's great in. So what's cool about it in this deck is its interactions with Snapcaster Mage, its interaction with the ability to take one of these miracles that you discarded earlier using Faithless Looting, which this deck is only playing two of, but I think you can go up to at least the three. Uh, or cards like the Loot House, or other ways to discard it, and or they're Liliana. They Liliana you, putting your Entreat the Angels into your graveyard, and then you Noxious Revival it in the next turn right. on top, and you have four Angels against a Liliana. There's not a lot they can do at that point. That's what I mean. Like I, I do. I think that the card. I think that the card is just abnormally powerful to, relative to where people play it. Like think about these these control decks, these blue red decks. They often revert to Bolt Snap Bolt. That's like a, and that's the. Lightning bolt someone, you play a snapcaster, flash it back, right? And That's then, six damage to the face. Yeah, and you, now you have a two-one fly or a two-one uh, beater that they didn't see coming because it's end of turn. Imagine like the ability to just like uh, lightning bolt end of turn. Okay, during upkeep, I pay two life and redraw my lightning bolt. Then I bolt you again. Then I snapcaster and bolt you again. I've just done nine damage. Like right, you could just kill people out of nowhere. And, like, sure, you're trading a card and two life for the ability to play Lightning Bolt a third time, but playing Lightning Bolt a third time will often be what you needed. Right, and I do want to bring this up because I realize we didn't really explain what the Miracle mechanic is. So the way Miracles were from the Abyssin Restored, uh, Abyssin Restored uh, which is the set at the end of Innistrad block, one of the best blocks of all time, apparently. And basically what it is is if you draw this card, you are allowed to cast it for some type of reduced cost. Now, the three strongest ones, which are in this deck, were Bonfire of the Damned, which lets you do X damage to target creature or target player and all creatures they control. And that was a format defining card. There's there's a, a, a famous gif out there somewhere of Brian Kibler, who is in the World Championship and going to win. Like, they locked the whole World Championship up and just like insurmountable board presence. And the guy wins the whole thing by just top decking Bonfire and tapping all of his lands and winning all of the World Championship. And Kibler's just. And, and you just see his face and it's just like shattering. Yeah. Wonderful. So, um, but, you know, Terminus, which is a legacy-defining card. Yep. Like, it is one of the premier rule spells in maybe the premier deck of legacy. Yep. And Entreat the Angels, which is that deck's win condition and was the win condition when it was in standard for that same deck. Yep. Like, this is a deck that is... These are these are cards that are legacy strong, and one of the things that kind of have kept it back have been we don't have brainstorm, we don't have Jace the Mind Sculptor, and we don't have Top. But we do have one card, and that's Telling Time. No, there's a card that's Telling Time's like, well, Telling Time's fine, but like the there's a there's a weird. <laughs> oh, you're gonna talk about the creature that brainstorms for like five mana and has no. like a cumulative upkeep of thirty. Uh, 
it is that creature. For those of, for those of you who are like kind of like you ever scour old databases for weird bad cards that have unique abilities, there's a card, a common I think, from Cold Snap called Survivor of the Unseen, and he's a wizard for a blue and two colorless. That's a two one. His ability is tap, draw two cards, put one card from your hand on top of your library, and he has a cumulative upkeep of two. He's like a pretty much just like a huge pile of poop, except <laughs> except. You can think about the fact that, like, as Alex says, there's very few cards that allow you to do what Jace the Mind Sculptor does, which is put a card from your hand on top of your library and draw cards that way. So, for those of you that want to try to brew with that card, I've been brew- I've been brewing up lists recently like crazy. Please no one do this. This is bad for your health, <laughs> bad for my sanity, and you're just encouraging him. Survivor of the Unseen <laughs> dot right. deck without a, without a K. All right, so Noxious Revival. I think that's what Noxious Revival does, though, for you. Speaking of like putting stuff on top of your library, this has so many ways to turn through your cards, get them into your graveyard using stuff like Gifts Ungiven, uh, Faithless Looting, and Loot House to like put them in your graveyard that you then can get them back and put them on top of your deck and Terminus at instant speed. This seems like a super fun deck to play. I mean, yeah. it just it looks like a, like a big... It looks like a, There's some numbers that are kind of funky. Like, uh, it seems to me that you probably would want to have a full set of Lightning Bolts in the main. Uh, so maybe that means that the Helixes go to the board or something. I, yeah, I think... I think... There's a lot of twos of, and I think that's what comes with brewing in general. And yeah, I do yeah. recommend that when you're brewing a deck is to just like see how some of these cards work and what's better in the format. But being a control deck, I think four lightning bolt, four path, and uh, getting some electrolyzes in there is really important. Yeah. And I don't think cryptic is that good here. Because my thing is when I look at this, I, I'm sort of like, okay, I see, I see the interactive cards early, but then I also just go like the really, really powerful interactive decks or uh, non-interactive decks like um, Affinity and like Infect that maybe can dodge like one removal spell in a deck that runs maybe eight main deck, you know, one minute, but no counter magic, you might really actually want to have like 12 interactive spells that you could be drawing in your opening hand. Right. When so many of the rest of your spells are these kind of clunky like Terminus or like Unbarrel Rites or Elish Norn, cards like that. that that's the sort of where I would lean. Well, on that note, in a, a very similar manner, I actually really like... Um, and this is an expensive card, but you have cryptic commands here, so we're going to save you some money by cutting them. Uh, <laughs> Vendillion Click. I think Vendillion Click does a lot of work here, and that's because, A, in general, it's one of the best cards ever printed, so you do get the ability yeah. to, like, disrupt your opponent and block and do damage by itself. Yeah, and it, 3-1 like, Flyer. 3-1 Flyer, that's great with the Snap Bolt Snap Plan. It does all those great things, but you could also target yourself to get that Elishnorn back in your deck, to get that Terminus back in your right. deck, to get the Entreat the Angels back in the deck that's just in your hand doing nothing, and you'd rather have it be in your deck, and so that's the best time to kind of have a card like that. Absolutely. Um, beyond that, uh, what I, I do want to get this into the gauntlet. So uh, I've actually done something new, and we're going to test it out with this, and if it doesn't work, we'll move back to just having specific decks. But I've asked, actually listened kind of the major type of archetypes in the format, Partly because I think we're in such a diverse format right now that it's hard to just be like, these are the five best decks in modern. So first I want to break it into aggro. So these are the Affinity, the Merfolk, the Elves, the, the decks that play as many creatures as possible to go wide and get you into the red zone. Okay, so uh, yeah, Affinity. I mean, you can almost argue that Affinity is kind of non-interactive combo, but I, I can see like Merfolk, Elves, so like, you know, creature, tribal, like overload the board and kill you. This is, I mean, Zoo, I guess would be this category, but these are these are kind of the premier aggro decks of the format. They all have combo kills, but almost every deck in Modern has a combo kill. This has Entreat the Angel for five, <laughs> and yeah. that's a kill condition. Um, uh, In this deck, so this deck against the ones listed here, like just aggro strategies in general, Um, the one... They all are resilient to the current list. I think, as I said, 12 pieces of removal. Right, yeah. 12- uh, I think, though, 
I have to disagree with you on this point. I think this is the reason you play this list. I think the fact that these three decks are three of the best decks in the format. Literally, the last two GPs were won by Affinity decks, Elves decks, and Murfo decks. And but when you look at this, the three terminus in the main and the many ways to dig to it that's is true. a huge game. The fact that right now there is no deck in the format that's running really main board, like main board board wipes, other than maybe Tron, makes me feel like this is one of the reasons this deck could be well positioned right now. Yeah, I mean, it should be noted that there are some Merfolk decks that, like, run counter spells, and then you, there's Curse Catchers to play around. Like, there's definitely some stuff that's... Right, but Terminus little... costs one. That's true, yeah, yeah, you're right. As long as, like, if it's turn three, which you don't want to be Terminusing before then anyways, yeah. you're going to have two mana open on your draw step. That's fair. I mean, you're probably right. Um, I guess I was maybe being a little choosy with those numbers, but let's move on <laughs> to mid-range control. John well, on the note, and... this list only has three Terminus. I'd say Terminus is infinitely better than Bonfire, and if you had to choose, I'd play four Terminus over the Bonfire or go to a fourth Terminus with the Bonfire and have the five Miracle Board Wipes. I think that um, mid-range control, like John and Abzan, you have a cool way around it because of your interaction with the Miracles that you kind of want to discard for later Noxious Revivals. Right. Um, which Noxious is... Revival is good because... Well, yeah, like your your interaction with Liliana is pretty good and their discard's exactly. not that great against you. Um, beyond that, I do think in general, the Gifts Ungiven packages can be pretty decent against them off the top Yeah. because like, you're interacting with your graveyard. So like, even if they make you discard, like topping a Gifts later in the game and just like... Elish Nornor in the play is like very hard for them. To seems beat. good for you. The 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 one of the cards like if you are in this matchup, it seems like Scavenging Ooze is like the card you need to like hate. You need to kill that card. Right. Everything else is like you should be able to survive long enough. But that one card can put such like if you if you leave that card on the table, it can just kill you. Like it's right. But on the same note, like. Even if Noxious Revival is your own card, hold in your hand, Liliana discard, Noxious Revival, entreat the angels on top of my deck, and get five four four angels on the play seems pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. Like, and they don't they don't run board wipes. I mean if you can get that plan off and you're gonna you're good. Um Abzan doesn't really see a lot of play anymore, much to my chagrin. No, it, no 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 it does. Abzan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in fact people think it's better positioned than Jund right now. <sighs> I should be playing Coco again. <laughs> um, <laughs> um mind you, Grixis Everything still exists, so you have that problem. But that back to <laughs> the decks. I mean, both Abzan and Jund, kind of similar thing. I think this is maybe better than Abzan than it is Jund. Sure. Because of the fact that there are so many ways to deal with those lingering soul tokens. So often these decks have problems with those kind of things. And if we go in kind of the mid-range value decks like Coco and Black White tokens, those are other decks that are normally good against the one-for-one -one removal. But we're talking about let's get back on the plan of playing cards like Terminus and Board Wipes and... The, and these are cards that are even better against people like Coco because you put them back in their deck. Yeah. The fact that you're not destroying every creature, you're putting them on the bottom is amazing against Kitchen Fix. Yeah, and voice. And, right, yeah. that whole deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really um, good. Into the tempo control world, uh, twin, and this is like twin yeah. and all the different twins out there. Scapeshift also, theoretically. This is, I think, where you have the biggest problem. Their counter spells are going to, they're just going to rope-a-dope you the whole time. You're going to get tired or not be able to do th anything the turn they have the combo, and they're just going to combo off. You're talking about, like, twin and scape shift? Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, like, I've, this is similar to the problems that Blue White Red has always had against these matchups, is that their eventual game plan is way more threatening than yours, and I think maybe your best option is you can maybe Terminus at instant speed. Sure, sure. But I, I think it's really hard to beat them here. Fair. Um, how do you think you play against a traditional control deck? Like, uh, I think you're great. Yeah? Like I think the reason that Miracles is one of the best control decks in Legacy is, like, 
your game plan against regular control decks. Like you just have so many ways of dealing with value and, and the fact that your hand size doesn't matter as much as a classic control deck does. And you don't care about their finisher. Like, right. You just like their, their angler is like, okay. Yeah. Nice five, five. I <laughs> yeah. have an army of angels or I terminus you and yeah, yeah, graveyard. Yeah. Plus, Since... plus in general, your graveyard, their graveyard is not going to get as big as normal. Oh, yeah, well, that's not true. Mid game though, um, mid game you might suffer because they play a bunch of counter spells and you don't. So, right. Like their cryptic commands. But are you, very, well, actually, this, this does like, play cryptic commands. So. And beyond that, the the timing is different with control decks. You have so much time, and this deck is better in that situation because they have time to just get the entreat the angel combo on top of their deck. Yeah. It's true. And then I like I don't know what the the other deck does because it's not like they're bringing damnation against you. You don't have the creatures that run damnation in the in the cyborg game, so entreat's just very good against them. How are you against like burn, infect, and amulet? That's where I think your removal spells come in. Well, That's where I think, and I think you know what cyborg needs spellskite. I'm not gonna lie, this is the place that spellskite shines the most. God, it's so sweet. Like burn, it's a problem for. In fact, it's a problem for, and it's even good against Amulet to a certain extent. To a certain extent. Except Amulet, if they get a nut draw on, you're just going to lose. Right, but this deck can also run counter spells, which is one of the good things. It can stop what Amulet's yeah, yeah. trying to do, which is important. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the gauntlet. Uh, um, thank you for submitting your list, uh, Boris. I hope you liked what we said about it. Yeah, just- I, I think moral of the story is kind of... You know, consolidate your numbers. I think Cryptic Command is probably not worth it. I think you want to get some loot houses in there and maybe just max out on some of your really powerful spells. And V-Click is sweet. Yeah, V-Click. Should be in every blue deck. Yeah, I mean, Snapcaster you want four also. Like, the card's $100. There's a reason. Yeah, both of those cards are really good. This isn't theoretically a value episode, but that's fine. Yeah. Um. So, on to letters. So, we talked about fitness and all that. Not letters. Sorry. On to the question I asked to Twitter, everyone, before we started the podcast. We asked you guys, what kind of food do you guys like to eat before a tournament? We were on that kind of thing, and we kind of point out yeah. you know, what people kind of ate and show kind of what habits are out there. Um, Shane B., which is at Shane B., pretty easy. Uh, food, period. It works pretty well, I guess. <laughs> Thanks for the saltiness. Um. Gorio's Vengeance at Tank of Jank. Pop-Tarts or fast food? Depends on how far away the tournament is and how early he gets up. Well, proud to share, so it must be doing just fine with it. Maybe we're <laughs> dead wrong here. Well, I mean, I feel like if you're casting Gorio's Vengeance, though, you're fine. You don't really have to eat that well because yeah. your deck just wins on turn two. Or your po- well, what did you post? What's your opponent going to do? Yeah. yeah. You're good. Uh, Ziggy Nix at Ziggy Mondays. Uh, nothing heavy or overly acidic. It's pretty much, yeah, it's yep. kind of on, on the train. Uh, Nick Canner, uh, at Nick Canner. Uh, I've never done a big magic tournament, but when I did debate in high school, I would usually have something high in protein for breakfast. Yeah, see, that's, that's, it's same, same sort of thing. Like, yeah, you, like, and that's, you know, I, one of the places I did look for, like, good, good advice on this was, like, SAT prep things. Like, yeah. what do you eat the day you take the SATs? It's very similar. Yep. Because you're sitting on a desk, gruelingly thinking for 12 hours straight. Exactly. <laughs> um... Uh, Alex Belty, Alex underscore Belty. I do my best to avoid fast food, but at a tournament, I usually have a Cliff Bar or two, along with some form of aid drink. Oh, yes. Uh, on the note of what you just said there, I, I know I made reference to this earlier, but again, Quest Nutrition, Q-U-E-S-T, they're taking over the world. They're everywhere. Um, they taste pretty good. There's like the, the best flavors are like definitely the chocolate chip cookie, cookie, uh, chocolate chip cookie dough, cookies and cream. Uh, you can get them, I feel like, most 7-Elevens now. They're like two or three okay. bucks. And they have one gram of sugar. Uh, and those things are, they're great. Like, they, you will not crash. That's like a full-on actual healthy thing you can eat one of or two of in the day at a tournament. You'll be fine. 
And I'd like to take one moment here to tell you about our sponsors, Quest Bars and Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> get healthy and then get unhealthy. Bloomin' Onions all day long. All Ooh, right. Let's go get a Bloomin' Onion. Yeah, right now. All right, so that's it for today. I want to remind you guys to follow us on Twitter and tweet at us. We love it. We've talked about it enough. And emails as well, because we'll respond, or at least we love reading them. And when it's a little easier to concisely respond, we'll definitely respond. Uh, our email is themmcast at rocketjump.com, and our Twitter is at themmcast. It's really easy. It's the same everywhere. You we might- want to make it easy on you, so it's easy on us. And you can find Kesley at Ad Wiley, and you can find me at Ad Ben Bateman Media. Did you call me Kesley? I might have. That's weird. <laughs> I'm not okay with it. Not okay. Um, so, yeah, thanks everyone. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>